To those listening, welcome. As we explore wonders and mysteries and journey into the realm of unknown. Well, hello. Hello, everybody. This is uh, sort of strange, but yeah, we are we are back. The show is back after a rather long hiatus. Uh, this is due to my part, if anyone is new and listening to the show and is completely unaware of what the heck I am talking about. We had our last upload back in the end of September, and uh, I unfortunately at that time suffered a rather significant loss in my life. Um, and then since that point, I've kind of stepped away from the brand, stepped away from the show, kind of focused on myself, focused on work, kind of preoccupied myself with other stuff and just kind of recouped back into things to where the point where we're at today. I will say that the intention was to actually come back significantly sooner than I actually did. This is, however, not what happened, and more than likely, it is due to a combination of my own procrastination and lack of motivation, as well as workload, because it has been utterly insane the last few months, and uh, that probably doesn't help with the general uh, motivation aspect of things. But, you know, it is what it is, and we are officially back as a show as a whatever this is going to ultimately become because if you are a returning listener if you are someone who has followed from previous episodes or before the hiatus i am going to be shifting things a tiny bit we'll see it's going to be a bit more of a gradual kind of getting a feel for things type shift rather than just a complete overhaul like we've done uh, in the past with you know general schedule structure and stuff like that but yeah so this is where we are today. Outside of that, I don't really have any other updates to give you guys. There's not really a whole lot to talk about in relation to myself and the brand because I haven't really done anything with the brand since uh, since uh, the end of September, early October time when we had our last uploads. So I kind of want to just transition into um, talking about our topic for today. But before we do, I do want to give a quick heads up for anyone who is interested in following along with, you know, social media and stuff like that. If you want to check out the show's social media accounts or all my activity and be up to date on when sort of these changes are going to be going on, feel free to look up Realm of Unknown pretty much anywhere and everywhere. I've kind of snagged that name, and if you see my logo, I'm there. But definitely check them out if you are wishing to follow along in any way, shape, or form. So today is going to be an installment of the Keystone Curiosities series. For people who are newer, this is a mini-series, not mini-series, a side series of sorts from the traditional episodes that focus primarily on objects, locations, stories, etc., etc., that are in or focus around Pennsylvania, uh, the state in which I am located. And today we are going to be talking about the USS Olympia. Now, I, again, if you're new, need to break this down. The way we sort of do things is we talk a bit about the history, we talk about sort of just general stuff for the most part, and then transition into the more spooky stuff or just the strange things or the theories and such like that. 
uh, to the latter half of the episode. But it's all one continuous read. I read from the script, I do my research for it, and then I relay the information to you guys. So, do y'all want to learn about the USS Olympia? <laughs> the history around the Olympia, these, the, that it is the oldest steel American warship that is still afloat to this day. Uh, it has had seen active service in the U.S. Navy from the point of her commission to the point in which she was decommissioned, and this is between the years of 1850, or apologies, 1895 up until the year of 1922. So there's a fairly decent lifespan. It saw some battle, it saw some war. Uh, particularly, the Olympia was the flagship of the Commodore George Dewey during the Battle of the Manila Bay back during the Spanish-American War in 1898. And the ship was decommissioned after returning uh, from that battle and from that war in 1899. However, it was reactivated into service a few years later in 1902. Now, uh, the Olympia did participate in World War I. When the war kicked off, the Olympia was brought back into service once more. However, this time it was not actively in battle. It was used as a training ship for naval cadets and was more or less remaining around the barracks area of the Charleston, uh, South Carolina waters. In 1917, she was mobilized into the war service, transitioning her duties, and began patrolling the American coast as well as escorting uh, transport ships. Now, after the war, uh, again, after World War I, the Olympia did participate in the 1919 Allied intervention with the Russian Civil War and conducted cruises in both of the Mediterranean and both in the Mediterranean and the Adriatic Seas. Uh, this was attempting to promote peace within the Baltics, which were rather unstable at that time after the war. And uh, one of the more infamous or famous aspects of the Olympia is that it is the ship known to carry the remains of the unknown soldier from World War I from France to Washington, D.C. Now, this took place in 1921, and his body was then interned in the Arlington National Cemetery. You can go there now, and you can still visit it. It's one of the more notable, I think, guess things to go see in the cemetery if you're not actually visiting uh, a loved one or just paying your respects uh, and ultimately the olympia was finally decommissioned for the last time at the end of 1922 and was placed into the reserve so several years later in 1957 the u.s navy succeeded the title of the cruiser olympia association began the restorations i should say of the ship uh, back to when she was originally configured. And since this point, the Olympia has been in the hands of, you know, restorationists, historians, and has become a museum ship here in Philadelphia. Uh, this is where it currently rests within the Independence Seaport Museum along the Delaware Riverfront. If you were to be in Philadelphia, if you are Needing a point of reference, it's along the Delaware River over in the Old City area side of things. It's near Penn's Landing, 
kind of area, just a little bit south, uh, where all the ships are. It's where the the Mashulu is located. It's where you know all the you know battleshipy type stuff is docked. Uh, if you wish to visit it and take a tour or go to the museum. Uh, and then in uh, 16, ugh, 16, in 1966, the Olympia was officially given the title of a national historical landmark, kind of just all encompassing its entire journey up until this point, because not too much historical wise, you know, kind of takes place after this point. Again, it remains a museum after it was converted and docked and they, you know, very frequently conduct tours they host visitors they have events there i don't believe you can book events i think it's more for private stuff but i i I could be wrong but you know it's very active it has a lot more foot traffic to it than just the regular servicemen that it used to have during its lifetime and after several years of restoration and that sort of increased foot traffic uh, from the tours on its deck A few more stories have begun to arise on the USS Olympia, and these particular stories would involve ghostly apparitions and reports of the supernatural from both staffs and visitors alike for several, several years now. And that is what we're going to get into right now. So the ghost stories and the deaths of the USS Olympia. I've gone ahead and broken down the stories and the stuff that I'm going to be discussing in this section of the information into either location-based information or particular ghosts information. That way, it's a little bit easier to digest and I'm not, you know, just going off the walls with back and forth type stuff. Uh, We're going to pretty much break it down as to the specific locations and then when I talk about those locations, talk about the reports that are associated with that particular entity or spot. Uh, so the USS Olympia uh, can now be found in its new home is the, again, Independence Seaport Museum. However, its violent past as a warship and having participated in multiple wars across the globe and across its lifespan has left many to believe, and in some cases rightfully so, Uh, that it is, in fact, haunted. Now, there is at least 19 deaths that had occurred on the decks of the USS Olympia. However, much of them did not occur uh, during many of the battles or wartime skirmishes that the ship partook in. Um, Again, it was used as a training vessel in a lot of cases, as well as a protection-type escort ship during World War I. So its entire lifespan was not an active battleship, uh, so do keep that in mind. However, most of these deaths did, in fact, involve accidents, as tends to be the case with a lot of hauntings, particularly in the one we're about to talk about, involving the artillery on this ship, as well as some other occupational hazards. So the very first location that I'm going to be talking about Uh, Arguably, it's probably one of the more well-known spots on the ship itself, especially when it comes to the hauntings, um, is the porthole number two gun and general location. And this was involved in one such incident, as I mentioned. During its very first firing, the gun that, if you can imagine, is a massive, massive gun which has to be bolted into the ground because of the recoil behind it, 
the mount in which it was located on and was positioned on and locked in in uh, ends up malfunctioning and it becomes jostled from its mounts and ends up crushing the sailor by the name of John Johnston up against the bulkhead behind him, just straight up killing him instantly. So for reference, I can't get the weight, but these guns are just pure metal and they are way bigger than a person and clearly, again, need to be mounted down because the recoil behind them is so insane when you fire them off. So again, this is a very heavy artillery gun. This isn't just like he was up against the wall shooting his own rifle. This was like a manned multi-person type gun that unfortunately came off the mounts and crushed this sailor up against the wall behind them. And this incident involving Sailor Johnston is believed to be essentially the starting point or a sort of nexus in relation to the Olympia and the kind of dark energy or sensation that some people kind of associate with the ship itself, again, with the haunting. Now, some use the word curse to describe it. I wouldn't really go that far. The tour certainly uses the word curse, but again, I I wouldn't put that much stock into it. I think it's just a lot of tragedy occurred here, um, and knowing that gives an uneasiness. But if you do go there and they happen to use the word curse, this is what they're sort of talking about. Now, outside of sort of, you know, strange or sad sensations that occur in this area, especially after you learn about the death, there are reports of random and very much disembodied knocking sounds taking place in the vicinity of the porthole number two gun. Specifically, for some weird reason, the knocking occurs within closets and storage doors that are nearby that vicinity. Staff members have reported hearing knocking sounds on the doors and uh, the deadlocks that are being held, uh, that are being used, I should say, to lock the storage closets have been heard to knock and like slam against the door itself uh, as if someone's trying to get their attention because the moment you go up to them, they pretty much stop. So additionally, in some instances, reports of the paranormal seem to stem directly from this area and the death of Sailor Johnston to the point in which a lot of these reports did not begin to occur until after his death. However, it's a little iffy. Again, this information is coming from like the tour for the most part, but the reports of these knocking sensations have been brought up in this third-party context uh, to have occurred while the ship was in active duty. So this knocking sensation is easily the longest stretching report of potential paranormal activity on the ship itself uh, in association to this particular area. And again, these are coming from third-party reports, but allegedly this is something that was reported upon for decades on the Olympia from staff members, from crew members, from sailors. All sorts of people have reported this particularly strange activity taking place in this area. Again, after Johnston's death. So the next location that we are going to be discussing is the Starboard Engine Room or the Starboard uh, Shaft Alley. The 
both are kind of attached together, but it's more so the engine room. I'm just lumping the shaft alley into this general spot. Now, in this location, there seems to be a decent bit of activity. Again, similar to the porthole number two location as being like a hub or a hotspot location. And these particular reports mainly come from staff who manage the ship now that it is a museum. And staff members have reported seeing shadows that have been moving about throughout the tight quarters, as well as a full-body apparition that was reported while standing in the doorway looking in. These sightings, however, are often seen, again, from the corridor, again being that alleyway, in, to the point where one person actually reported seeing a figure that they claimed had no face and upon spotting them, disappeared into the darkness. Now, on top of that, again, on top of seeing shadows, on top of seeing disembodied bodies, essentially, uh, by staff members, both staff members and visitors, and I couldn't get confirmation on the visitor side of things on whether or not these were simple museum visitors or if these were guests on the haunted tours, because I, I don't know the access level of this particular room, but both staff members and non-staff members who visit that location have also reported disembodied voices that have occurred while within that general vicinity. Again, this is the engine room on the starboard side, as well as the shaft alley that leads out of that location. And we're keeping on the trend of staying below deck for this next one. As we're moving over to the boiler room number five. Again, this is one of the more hotspot locations. This is definitely one of the spots they'll take you to on the tour. This is a location where most people, if they go to investigate the location, end up going to. And in this particular location, staff has reported hearing very, very heavy footsteps overhead. So footsteps that are occurring on levels above them while they are currently in the boiler room. Keep in mind that above this room is in a two additional levels. And then on top of that level, like on, like, you know, actually where the roof hits is the armored deck of the ship. And that armored deck is about like two inches thick of just like steel and then wood, like all this stuff. And the reports of the footsteps are not being heard on the closer levels that like are just above your head. These are being heard on the deck level. So these heavy footsteps are being heard as if someone is walking on the opposite side of this two foot or not two foot, uh, two inch thick metal, you know, ceiling essentially. Uh, so significantly heavy footsteps if these are, in fact, footsteps that are being heard. Regardless, though, um, this is a phenomena in which you only hear it when you are in the room. This is not something you hear, you know, if you are in there and then go upstairs and try to investigate it. This is only occurring while you yourself are in boiler room number five. People have additionally also seen shadow figures here uh, as they did over in the engine room. And they see these particular shadow figures moving about within the passageways that go in and out of the boiler room. Again, this is similar. It's similar to the last spot, but in reverse. 
in which instead of seeing the shadow figures while you're in the alleyway looking into the room, you are seeing them particularly while you're in the room looking out into the corridors that attach to it. These shadow figure reports also extend into the coal bunker area as well of the space. Um, People have spotted seeing some movement in those particular locations. Oftentimes, uh, these particular ones are seen appearing, walking through these sort of corridor spaces, and then quickly disappearing. Uh, There's not really any like ducking or turning or just kind of hanging out. Uh, There is no faceless individual, like the last location was reported by uh, one of the staff members. These are just pretty much straight-up generic shadow figures that just passing on through. And on top of all the, like, location-based spots and, you know, the particulars that we talked about previously, there are a few additional things that I just wanted to kind of list out that I gathered from some of the sources, as well as some of the hunts or investigations that have taken place uh ghost hunters uh i believe did an investigation of this location i don't know if ghost adventures did or if other smaller ones did i know ghost hunters did in like a very early season because i remember watching it back in the day on the uh siffy channel but the additional things that get reported here kind of range and they're much more mundane than the other stuff that's been discussed so On top of, you know, the knocking sounds that you hear in relation to the artillery gun, doors sometimes are known to move and close on their own, and padlocks, again, similar to that spot, and other objects that are more or less associated with storage locations seem to move or bang against the wall, uh, I believe, from what I can remember. I, I watched this a while ago. I believe one of the padlock bangings was captured, or at least the audio of it, obviously take it with a grain of salt, was captured by the ghost hunters during their investigation, but it is technically a reported phenomena that has occurred with the staff, so it's something I want to mention. Additionally, the tour itself, the ghost tour that takes place here on the USS Olympia, mentions at least two suicides that are linked to the battleship. However, I can't confirm this, and I don't know what source they're referring this to. They might have, you know, records that I either cannot find or don't have access to um, in relation to, like, a sailor of some sort. I can't back this up, but if you are on the tour, there's a chance that they will mention this. Um, additionally, the tour makes kind of an illusion that one of the captains or one of the leaders of the ship is still kind of like hanging around the captain's quarters. I believe they may be referring to Commodore Dewey during, again, the Battle of Manila Bay. However, again, I'm not sure where this is being referred to because there aren't really any reports of deaths of captains taking place on the ship. So I don't know if these last two reports are just embellishments of the tour itself, or if this is just something that they have information about that isn't super public. I have not personally been on the tour. I would like to. (laughs) I just have not had the time. 
but those are things that get linked to additional sightings. So I just wanted to mention them. I mean, the whole Captain Dewey thing, like they even mentioned that on like a news art, like interview type thing. So I don't know. It's very much out there, but I can't back it up outside of their accounts. So, you know, maybe he's there for nostalgia purposes after dying elsewhere, but I can't find any corresponding information that links a death of a captain or someone at his level to occurring on the ship itself. So keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, that's it for the USS Olympia. I uh, <laughs> It's definitely weird being back. Um, I apologize for any bizarreness or roughness or rustiness in the recording process and editing process. So I do hope you guys enjoyed. I kind of rushed through it a little bit for the most part, but it's not a crazy deep story. There's not a whole lot of reports associated with the location itself outside of, you know, maybe some shadow figures and some knocking sounds. It's not, it's not one of the like crazy, crazy haunted locations out there. Uh, I just think it's interesting and it's kind of what, you know, the Keystone Curiosity series sort of is for the most part. It's a way for me to talk about haunted spots and locations here in PA that maybe don't warrant like a way longer episode and can kind of hover around that half hour, 40 minute mark that I kind of like to aim for. But yeah, I uh, that's it for today's episode. I don't really have too much more to talk about. Um, I do have my little closing rant and my closing shill because I like to keep it towards the end of the episode for now until I decide to put it elsewhere. But once more as a reminder, if you guys did enjoy, if you do wish to participate in the brand slash show slash whatever this is, community, a bit more, you can definitely do so by checking out Realm of Unknown on all sorts of social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all over the place. Uh, we do have a Patreon. However, I have currently paused it in order to bulk up some of the content that is currently there because again we did take a hiatus for a few months um, but if you do wish to check it out i believe it's still frozen until march um, if you do want to check it out it is patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown we have a one three and five dollar tier list that gets you bonus episodes behind the scenes content monthly polls as well as some extra goodies depending on the tier that you participate in and then finally, uh, it really, really goes a long way in helping to support the show itself along with getting continuous content out there uh, and helping with that pesky al algorithm. If you guys could leave a review and leave a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you go that allows you to leave a review, Again, it really does go a long way, and I really would like to hear your guys' feedback in relation to episodes and topics, and just kind of how you feel in relation to the show itself. So again, that is Realm of Unknown everywhere on social media, and leave a review if you like listening to these sort of weird mixtures of history and spookiness. We are back. I am going to be shuffling off the schedule a little bit, but we are back. Feels good to be back. Definitely feels good to be back, and it really does mean a lot for those who stuck around uh, and who are still participating in stuff for the show. You guys do mean a lot, and it 
really makes me feel amazing that people are still enjoying the content that I'm providing here. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it, that if you are new. Um, and remember, in the meantime, to stay spooky. <laughs> and I'll see you guys next week. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 